welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, which is part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson in D.C., and in just a few, Steph Walton will be here. There is so much to talk about, and today we're going to be doing And Another Thing, which is the segment for patrons only after the free show. A couple of things before we get started. In case you're not aware, my mom, Ann Werner, is an author, and she's currently working on a new thriller called The Melt. She's really almost finished. It's a dystopian thriller, and it's about what would happen if there was a climate catastrophe. Now, I'm going to read a blurb about the plot. In the far reaches of the northern Mongolian steppe, a tribe of reindeer herders discover a body in the melting permafrost. In less than two weeks, the entire tribe has succumbed to a mysterious and terrifying virus that quickly spreads around the globe. The Melt is a story of climate catastrophe and survival in a world where 95% of mankind is wiped out. So the first half of the book centers on a couple. It's Ethan and Rena Hampton, and it's about their survival. And then the second half deals with the aftermath and the efforts to rebuild a world decimated by the disease. Um, my mom tried to incorporate modern problems into the narrative and how it might bleed into a society recovering from the shock of disease and, um, and how the people of that society deal with those problems. So I'm telling you about this for two reasons, because first of all, she has a Patreon page where she puts up you know, one chapter at a time. And so you can visit her uh, page, which is patreon.com slash Ann Werner author. And that's A-N-N-W-E-R-N-E-R author. And um, you can you can see the first three chapters for free. Now, she's got that on the front page of her Patreon page. And I'm going to include the link to those first three chapters. So I highly recommend if you're a reader, if you like thrillers, she's kind of like Dean Koontz, Stephen King-ish. Um, she's a great writer. And I'm not saying that just because she's my mom. She's done a lot of things in her life. And I think writing is what she does best. She's been an avid reader since she was a little girl. She's always reading a book. So um, anyway, go ahead and check out that's patreon.com slash Ann Werner author, A-N-N-W-E-R-N-E-R author. And again, I'm going to include the links to that in the Patreon description. And the second reason I'm telling you about her page is because she also writes political articles. So not only do you get to read uh, chapters from her book, but she does political stuff. Sometimes she does fun recipes. I love her chicken and chili recipe. I use that. I just did it on Saturday. And then just other fun stuff that she writes about. So check her out. That's patreon.com slash Ann Werner author. Start Me Up is a podcast supported by listeners. I don't have corporate funding, and right now I'm not using advertisers. So that means the show survives on support from listeners. So just maybe become a patron for any dollar amount. You can start off with $1, and that would be great because if you do, each show gets delivered to your email and you won't miss it. And you know what? We do a segment called End Another Thing at least two times a month, and that that's a $5 segment. That's just $5 a month and you get two and another things. I'm considering different options to add on to the uh, $5, what you get for $5, but that's coming. And let's see what else. Take a listen to some of the shows. I've interviewed some great people. I've interviewed actors and, and um, you know political pundits, all kinds of people. Take a listen. If you're interested, become a patron by signing up at patreon.com slash start me up. And then also you can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. I'd love it if you become a subscriber on iTunes and a review. I just got a great review 
whoever gave me that review. Thank you. I need more. I need more reviews. All right. So that's it for now. Um, we're going to go right into the conversation with Steph. A big welcome to the juicy and bubbly Steph Walton. <laughs> <laughs> I am juicy You're and juicy. bubbly. You're so Those juicy. are my two favorite adjectives. To, to, I mean, I, and I'm not even kidding. <laughs> You're totally juicy. Oh, my God. And so is everything that's going on. Good Lord in heaven. Hey, do you right? like remember when we first started this and uh, <laughs> we were talking like with Renato, who sounded like freaking Eeyore? He was so, Renato Mariotti. Mariotti. He's right, the right, right. former federal prosecutor. And it was like he just sounded so down. And then wow. um, Claude Taylor kept telling us, you know, it's going to go down, it's going to go down. And, and this was like in 2017. And we're like, are you sure? Are you sure? And now <laughs> it's happening. I know. I mean, it's not I like know. it's that exciting because there, it's, it is exciting, but it's also totally awful. Do you remember, I think, two years ago when we talked to John Pavlovitz, Pastor oh, John? Oh, yes. And he was like, you guys need to take like a mental health break. You need to step away. You can't, you know, but, but stay in the fight. Yeah. But make sure you take care of yourself yeah. so that you don't burn out because this is, this is going to get ugly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you know what I love? I just like we I feel like I've aged, oh, I don't know, like a dog. <laughs> you know, I'm now know. I'm now 79 <laughs> since know. since 2016. Um it it has been grueling. It's been grueling and I, I you know, I don't want to give Trump credit for anything, but I do have to say I'm going to have to like Give him a shout out for disrupting my sleep, for, <laughs> you know, uh, making me unbelievably irritable and yeah. in some cases hair trigger. But then I also want to say this horrible, you know, three and a half years have been a great learning experience and also uh, have have made me feel so proud of of like work that just everyday average citizens are doing yeah. to try to change things like like taking back the house in 2018 mm -hmm. like electing progressive pragmatic uh thoughtful decent people at all levels of government because yeah. it it literally like when you know the term it takes a village to to like mm -hmm. make change to uplift people well we're uplifting people at the very like on the neighborhood level yeah. Like, like we are having conversations now where, you know, in 20, in 2012, we were like, I made some calls for Obama. Woo! You know, <laughs> yeah. and now it's like I look across the street to some of my most favorite, beloved neighbors and we're like, it's going to be OK. It's going to be OK. But here's what we have to do. Right. And I love that we've all sort of risen to that occasion. I mean, we've all pretty much risen to that occasion. Yeah. You know, um, at least all the people in, in my realm. Yeah. Now well, we just got to make sure. Yeah. We got to make sure we get people off the sidelines and like into the fight uh, for in next November, because we ain't going to make any change whatsoever unless everybody literally puts some skin in the game. Yeah. And um, I do think that this particular election is, is going to be a turnout election. I, I know that there are some Democratic donors that are complaining about the current uh, pool of candidates and they, they would like to see somebody new jump in. 
Now, regardless if that happens or not, I do think that we've got wonderful candidates to choose from. Mm-hmm. But, you know, let's just say, all right, we get that turnout. Don't get happy. Don't assume. But we get that turnout. We get the Democratic president and we get a blue Congress. If that happens, um, you know, celebrate, relax, take a breath, uh, feel like things are going on the right track. But don't assume for one second that it's all good because we've got another election coming in two years after 2020. Then we've got another general election and we're going to we're going to experience the same kinds of, you know, whether it, I mean, I know that if, if Democrats take hold and get power, they will do things to secure our elections. They will do things to regulate, regulate the internet so that people like fucking Mark Zuckerberg, who I just hate with a fucking fierce red hot passion, um, can't allow politicians to post things that are lies so that, you know, because he's one of the major reasons people are not informed because of the shit that's allowed to go down on Facebook, the disinformation, the misinformation, and his new rule that politicians get to lie if they want to. And, you know, one of his fucking fact checkers, I think, is Tucker Carlson. And oh, please. Yeah. How is that even a, a sentence? Yeah, it's, 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 either, it's either, I think it's Tucker, but if it's not Tucker, it's, it's Hannity. But I think it's Tucker. But either way, either one of them are horrible. So I just, you know, don't forget that just because we're going to get a win and, and we're, we can't assume that we're going to get a win, we can be hopeful. But when we do get a win, don't think this, it's all done. It is not done because it's us. It's, you know, we are looking at, uh, you know, a lot of people, and I'm going to get into this in a minute. A lot of people have been criticizing Democrats for being too weak. First of all, they are impeaching that motherfucker. So they're not weak. They don't have all the power. Right now, Trump and the Republicans have the majority of the power. And so Democrats can only do what they can do. And unlike, you know, the, the advice that Rick Wilson is giving is, is basically how to behave like Republicans that got us into this situation in the first place. And I completely disagree with him. Democrats have to be very measured and be very, very careful. And they are making the right decisions right now. Um, but, but, but that all leads me to the idea of it's like, we're, we still have to maintain, you know, the, uh, the level of engagement, the level of concern for our democracy, even when things are good. Because as we've That's seen, right. as we have seen, it can slip away with one fucking election. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully and, and ho- the fallout and the fallout, Kimberly, is going to take multiple yeah. general elections to recover from. Yes. Remember when Obama said something like, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take for the economic recovery. It may take one or two terms. And he was right. And he even, he said mm-hmm. and even beyond. Well, he did manage to take care of it in two terms because Trump gets to ride on the wave of his economic successes. But, uh, yeah, just please, please do not. I mean, I know some, you know, oh, what I was going to say is that, you know, we're so busy yelling at Democrats for not being strong. But you know what? Turn that back on yourself because it's real. We have elected those people and they're doing what w- they can. The reason we're in this position is because not enough people voted. And it's, it's, it's about the people. So it's really yeah. easy to point your fingers when you're afraid and when you're feeling threatened or whatever negative feeling you're having. It's easy to point your fingers at this group of people who have limited amount of power considering what they're dealing with, but really it's us. 
the onus is on us. I mean, it's, of course, the ones who voted, it's not on us, but it's the ones who didn't vote. And I'm sure they're not listening to my podcast, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into the juicy juice. Um, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I posted today that uh, there was no quid pro quo is the new I am not a crook. (laughs) I have to. I I thought, you know, you have some really good tweet sister i'm not gonna like (laughs) i gotta give you props um that one like you nailed it that is exactly what it is and and what, what i what i find just um miraculous in the most horrifying of ways is that he's outing himself and he's admitting to crimes in his every tweet and and then he's and i also have to just say He's such a numbskull. Like the way he, numbskull. You know, uh, he'll he's going to he quotes somebody, but he only has one closed quote, not an opening quote. Right. Uh, You know, quotation mark. Uh, It's just it's the most terrifying of grammar and misspellings, Mm -hmm. and just like it's rage tweeting, but it's almost like he doesn't care. And I get, I can't help but get the visual. Um, of him, like in a bathrobe, you know, like you know, one like t- tweeting with one thumb. You know what I mean? Like On the it's toilet. just the lazy uh, or something. It's just the laziest. I mean, with like the TV blaring and like yeah. you know veins bulging. Um, it, it's it's. I, I was I was listening to him on my way on my way to this podcast. And he was addressing everybody from the White House. It was a national address. Um, and he was talking about the most non... I mean, he was straight up lying about how nobody's been hurt in oh. Syria. And um, we're going to have permanent peace. But permanent may mean something a little different to people in Syria. But permanent... I mean, like just like the blather yeah. and the, the, the nonsensical bullshit that comes out of his mouth at every term. Like, how does any self-respecting, seemingly or somewhat even partially intelligent or discerning person with a conscience still stand behind this man? Yeah. I, how I is that possible? Well, you know, Chris, I mean, Chris Hayes mm. did a montage last night of uh, a number, you know, Jim Jordan. There was, I don't know who else it was, maybe Devin Nunes, including Trump, that there was no quid pro quo. And it was just over and over and over and over and over. And now we have, um, what's that guy's name? Bill Taylor, 50 years, 50 years working Mm -hmm. in the White House, working, and he was an ambassador for Ukraine, top. And so he gave that damning testimony yesterday, which blew everything out of the water. You know, that whistleblower that uh, first came out talking about this story, I mean... Coward. Well, no, I don't think a whistleblower. No, because the thing is. Oh no, not that. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That not that whistleblower. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm thinking of the, the New York Times op-ed whistleblower. Right. Yeah, forget yes. that. I'm so sorry. Yes, <laughs> not not a coward. Not a coward. Whistleblower. Patriot. Yes, yes. Beautiful yes. person. More of you, please. Yeah, and when that, when that came out, I mean, it was obvious that all right now. This is different. You know, it was the, the Mueller report was 400 pages and the Mueller report there was it was too easy, you know, first of all it had been tainted by Barr and and his bullshit, you know, that there's nothing there's a, this is a big fat nothing burger and then by the time it actually came out, uh, people just unfortunately are not smart enough in this country including the media to shine the correct light on it that it needed it was more like oh well i guess this lying liar is correct there's nothing here even though there's all this obstruction and and 
it, it just blows my fucking mind. Then Mueller comes out and testifies, and instead of focusing on what he said, they focused, the media focused on the fact that, oh, he looks old. He looks old and doddering, which again is stupid and hurt the cause. So now we have this whistleblower, and it's much easier, though, for the American electorate to wrap their head around what happened. This is a mm -hmm, straight mm -hmm. up, um, mm -hmm. we get it. it there, he wanted um, this President Zelensky to give him dirt on the Bidens, or Zelensky was not going to get taxpayer-funded military aid. I mean, your money, my money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Trump is using this for his own advantage because he's a fucking mobster. And so it's great that finally there is just this, this nugget. And you know what? This leads me to Nancy Pelosi. And I wrote about this last week because, as you know, on this show and on Twitter, I have questioned her motives. I've wondered, what are you doing? Why aren't you impeaching? And she said back in May, the president is going to self-impeach or that he's self-impeachable. Yes. And she also said she needed something that was ironclad and that she needed the numbers, the poll numbers for support of impeachment. Well, that's what that whistleblower gave us. It, it gave, you know, he got that sense of, oh, you know, after the Mueller report, I can do it. I could just do anything I want and get away with it. So she like gave him rope and he put it around his neck <laughs> and said, I'm going to hang myself. That's and, right. Watch and, me hang myself. Yeah. And he did. And and then. Now we're in a situation where Nancy Pelosi, I will never question her judgment again, ever, because mm -hmm. I know a lot of people out there are going, yeah, well, she should have done it earlier. And it's like, this is, okay, impeachment is important because it's a constitutional duty. Absolutely. But we are also dealing with a political strategy that we have to be mindful of because this is, we can't fuck this up. This right. cannot be fucked up. And if we would have started too early without the support from Congress, without the public support, it could have, it just could have fallen flat. And then mm -hmm. to bring up another impeachment or, 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 I mean, I think that, I'm not sure about this. I don't know that if you can only impeach a president once or if you can go, you know, like you try to get him impeached for A, but then B happens and you try to get him impeached. Either way, even if you can, and I don't know this, so anybody who wants to correct me in the comments, but even if you were able to start with impeachment A and that were to fall flat, if you're going to start with impeachment B, people are just going to roll their fucking eyes and they're not going to care. So her strategy was absolutely perfect. And it's not to say that she knew it was going to happen. She was, she's taking risks, but those are calculated risks. And she has been doing this for a long ass time and she knows what she's doing. So I will never, ever, ever question her judgment again. Right. We're just all so panicked and frantic, but this yeah. is the most, this is a woman who I believe could quite possibly be the most powerful person in government. Yeah, she's absolutely, Pe she period. is. Um, she is revered. She's, she's, she's quiet about it. She doesn't yeah. buckle. She doesn't, um, she doesn't panic. Right. Uh, Chris, Chris Matthews, who we all kind of want to, you know, <laughs> wring his neck a little bit every now and again, right? He gets a little, he's, he's super opinionated. I, kinda, he cuts I, I wouldn't say I hate him, but I have like a love frustration relationship with love, him. That's a perfect way of putting it. Cause I do love him. Um, uh, I saw him and then I want to get back to what, what he said, but I saw him, I went and saw the Colbert show, mm -hmm. uh, like almost two years ago. And he had just written a book about Bobby Kennedy mm -hmm. and he was one Bobby of the Kennedy. guests. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
I'm going to talk about Bobby oh, Kennedy on Twitter. Bobby Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play hardball. Um, he, uh, he was the guest, and he was so lovely. And he, just the way he talked about... Bobby Kennedy and the important work he did yeah. and, and what a tremendous loss um, it was to the nation because he was really um, one of the first to speak out. He, he announced the assassination of Martin Luther King mm -hmm. at, a, at one of his, like a Democratic, uh, I don't know if it was a precursor to the convention or whatever it was, but he, uh, he really spoke out and, and helped move the civil rights movement forward and was yeah. sort of the lone white guy, you know, willing to really get behind it in a, in a, a very important and impactful way. Anyway, it was, it was moving and Colbert started to cry. Really? Wow. And the audience was, I mean, it was like, it was silent. They were practically in an, you know, they were, it was, it was a really beautiful moment. Mm -hmm. And to see Chris Matthews beat that, that side of him was just lovely because there was no like angst, you know, over yeah. the current state of our, our political affairs. It was really beautiful. Anyhow, he, I, he, for the last all week. So what are we on Wednesday now, mm -hmm. Monday and Tuesday night, he was like, I was critical of her. Yeah. Um, I was critical of her for not moving quickly enough. I was critical of her for playing it too safe. Yeah. That, as if she was letting us down. And he goes, I will never say another harsh, critical yeah. word about Nancy Pelosi again. This woman. She, this woman is playing Trump like yeah. a fucking fiddle. And he's he, he just walks right into her traps. It's just she, she understands how to deal with them. I wouldn't be surprised for one minute if she and Hillary Clinton are kind of talking behind the scenes about ways to deal with him because clearly he's a narcissist and, you know, and, and he's an egomaniac. And I think part of what she was doing when she was saying that she didn't want to impeach, I'm not going to say she was lying because I'm sure she really probably didn't want to. Um, she's been through impeachment before and it's fucking awful. But I think that part of that strategy was making him feel like giving him this false sense of security that she's not going to impeach him and, and, and kind of playing into his ego like, oh, we don't care about him. It's not that important. And then Trump believes it because he's just a simple minded fool. He's just a simple minded caveman who doesn't understand like anything beyond fourth grade uh, education. You know, I, I, I give the man that he's savvy. He understands how to manipulate, manipulate media just as a fourth grader knows how to manipulate, I can't say it, manipulate their own parents. But, right. um, you know, his, his uh, lexicon is, is quite small. It is not as tremendous as he, as he would like to think it is. And she knows. But he comes on very strongly. Yeah. He, Very strongly. He, strongly. What a dumbass. <laughs> he's he's such a fucking rube. And, and but you know, but he's got the he understands how to stay relevant too. He's been relevant his whole life. Even though he was considered a big fat joke in New York, especially the people living in New York understood who he was. And I mean, prior to all of this, what was your opinion about Trump? He, he made me want to vomit. Yeah, I mean, before he ran for president. Oh, well, please. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say I watched the first season of The Apprentice because mm -hmm. it was intriguing, you know, and it was kind yeah. of that, that whole thing was still very new. Um, but I think he, I always thought he was kind of a, God, I really need to watch my mouth now that I'm running for office. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, he he strikes me as kind of like um, 
a swinging D, you know, like yeah. I'm a big, right, I'm going right, to, right. I'm a going nice to intimidate you because I'm a, because I'm a, a rich white guy with, with power yeah. and I'm going to crush you. And I, you know, I don't respect women. That was always very apparent to me. He had the one woman that sat next to him in the boardroom, the blonde woman, I can't remember her name. And it was like, that was just a foil. You know, he's going to put somebody up there so that he doesn't look like a complete and utter misogynist, chauvinist pig. But it's quite clear what he was. I mean, we we knew who he was when he was uh, married to Ivana. Yeah, exactly. And how, you know, we we knew how he worked the system and how he... tacky. Yeah, just tacky. But also just abusive of, you know, no respect for money, no respect for people that work for him. I'm bankrupt. Mm -hmm. I'm not bankrupt. I'm, you know... I just, I always thought he was sort of gross. And I was kind of mm-hmm. amazed that he could get women given. Yeah. Um, but, you know, women, certain women are just attracted to money and power. And, and that's that was how you enough, wrote it off. Yeah. Right. You that, know, Marla Maples. Right. Um, and then, and then Melania, that was always just, that was not at all shocking to me. No. That she was with him. Mm-hmm. That made perfect sense. But I just, I don't know. I thought he was gross. And I always he's, thought he was gross. like a joke. I mean, I I I, I knew that he yeah, was yeah a joke. Yeah, a I gross knew that joke. he was wealthy, although obviously not as wealthy as he wants everybody be- to believe he is. But I mean, I just figured that he was just kind of smarmy. You know, that was my take on him oh, that he yeah. was smarmy, and he would go on. But he would go on The View, and he would go on Howard Stern, and he would go on Oprah, and he would go on all these shows. So he would stay in the conversation, and he understood, and he understands how to do that. Outside of that, he is not curious about anything. He doesn't read. He's not intelligent. And now that he has, um, you know, <laughs> he's been led to believe that he, you know, for his whole life he's been led to believe Mm -hmm. that he can get away with Mm -hmm. anything because he's been able to. And up until, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously the Mueller investigation did hang over his head and I do believe he was slightly concerned about it. But once it came out and once they were able to thwart it, um, he was feeling pretty like he was unbeatable. Like he could just do anything Mm -hmm. he wanted. And then Nancy Mm -hmm. Pelosi, I think threw him those crumbs. Like, we don't care about you. We're not going to impeach you. We don't give a shit about impeachment. And so he's just like, I'm a fucking free agent. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to announce I'd be working with any foreign adversary that would want to give me dirt on a political opponent. Wouldn't you? I mean, he said it on camera to George Stephanopoulos. So now he did it and he got caught. And now Mm -hmm. what's Mm -hmm. fascinating are people are talking about it. People are finally starting to come out of the woodwork, whether they're whistleblowers or straight up like Bill Taylor. Um, although, you know what I want to talk to you about? Uh, and, talk. And before I before I ask you this question, I just want to say that the, the phrase of the day yesterday was sea change. So I'm wondering what that's going to exactly mean, that Bill Taylor's testimony was a sea change. What does that mean? You know, it's got to mean... Uh, that Republicans are going to be wanting to turn against him because mm-hmm. his base will not, and we already have. So it's just up to Republicans in Congress. So a couple things I want to ask you, and I want to get into. Um, number one, there's this idea that every it's just floating around on the Internet. I've been hearing little things from people that I know who work in, in D.C., but a lot of mm-hmm. people don't believe that Trump is going to be on the 2020 ballot. I remember Claude Taylor saying that. So I want to, you know, he had a different timeline. He thought it would be a year yeah. and a half. But so what? He, he's, you know, he had said that very early on. Now, there is the debate, right? People say Trump will never leave. 
Well, I think that I posted the other day, um, if Trump ever re- resigns, it won't be his choice. It will be McConnell's decision. So, and that just means that I think McConnell would go to Congress and say, all right, we need to impeach this. We need to convict this motherfucker. And so they would. Wouldn't that be great if those were his words? <laughs> uh, well, yesterday he came out and said basically that Trump lied because I guess Trump, you know, a reporter went up to McConnell and said, hey, Trump said you said this about the phone call, that it was perfectly beautiful or whatever he said. And then McConnell said, no, we never had any such conversation. So basically he called Trump a liar, <laughs> and um, which is a big deal. Now, I, I think that, you know, if McConnell wants to, he goes to the Senate, he says, okay, we're going to, we're going to convict him. We have to, we have to be united and convict him. I would also assume that McConnell has some kind of compromise or compromising information on Trump that he would hold over his head along with some kind of pardon promise, which, yeah. you know, there's the argument that he can only be pardoned for federal crimes. There are going to be state crimes that are going to be brought against him that McConnell can't do anything about. So there's that whole idea that, you know, McConnell would pull that Watergate thing and go, you, you got to resign because if you don't, we're going to release this information on you. We're going to convict you in the Senate. And that's going to be terribly embarrassing to Trump because he would fucking hate if his own party rejected him that way. It would be so humiliating for him. Never discount how humiliated he would be. And, and then, you know, the idea of a pardon so my question is who has who does trump fear more mitch mcconnell or vladimir putin because that's what's going to make him resign or not resign if this ever comes to pass good question i don't know you Man. know I mean, it really just depends on what putin has could, on him. It, could it be a tie <laughs> but then who wins like what happens what happens if mcconnell goes to him with all of that and says, you've got to resign. But then Putin has something even worse or scarier to him. I mean, what could, yeah, what, what could it be? Well, my little theory, and I don't even, you know, I don't know, but I think that it's possible, and I am not making any accusations. It's oh just God, a theory. Here we go. Um, that, <laughs> and I've said this before, though, that, um, you know, in, in the effort to blackmail Trump over all these years since the fucking 90s the Russians have been after him they right. could they could have um, video of him with an underage girl that was uh, uh, you know that was with Je- Jeffrey Epstein one of Jeffrey Epstein's uh, the girls that he was sex trafficking and prostitute you know selling to other men yeah I, I was gonna say the only thing I think that would be scarier than Mitch McConnell to him um, would be if Putin had uh information or video on him uh, raping a child yeah and i think because that's, that's what that that's because that's yeah. what that is yeah it is raping a child is what that is yeah and and you know part of the reason i come to this hypothetical is that or or possible theory is you know when i was reading an article about how they did it how they were able to get compromising material when i say they i'm talking about epstein and his girlfriend um mm-hmm. you know they would invite rich guys over to their house and then they'd have the party with all the girls and then a young girl 15 16 years old would approach a man and entice him into a bedroom where there were cameras and have sex with the guy and then the following morning epstein calls up that guy and says hey guess what we've got some tape on you i need some money so that's that was how he operated and trump was there so it's possible. I mean, I don't know if it's true and I don't know if that's the case, but you know, I mean, 
maybe McConnell could say to Trump, well, we've got tax information on you and we can release your tax information. But if Putin says we're going to release a video of you, you know, although if Putin were to do that, then Trump is destroyed and it almost guarantees a Democratic win. So there's like it's really very difficult to, Mm -hmm, you know, because mm -hmm. Trump is um, Putin wants Trump in there. That's what he wants. He's well, look what stupid. he's getting. Yeah. Look what he's getting for it. Jeez, he's running our country. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> I, mean, and, I mean, you know, Rachel Maddow the other night, a couple night last week sometime, she was saying that right now Russia is cashing in and they're doing it fast. They're cashing in on all these things. And I only heard part of her segment. So what I took away from that was the hopeful thought that maybe they're doing it so quickly because they recognize Trump won't win. And the, the, the hopeful part of this would be that, because I've always said, you know, Russia is the wild card and mm-hmm. I don't know what their capabilities are. Like maybe they know that they can, maybe they already know that they've got enough, uh, whatever it would be, technology or inside inside info or whatever, you know, to guarantee a win for Trump. Well, if, mm-hmm. if, if this is true and if they're quickly, quickly, quickly cashing in on all the things that they want, maybe that, tell, you know, maybe that means they don't have a lock on this and that they're, right. they're, they're thinking maybe Trump will be either voted out or, ha- or has to resign. I mean, that's my that hopeful would be, thought. Yeah, well, of course, that's like, that's beauteous. <laughs> um, I just, I, I, one thing that I've done, um, which I was really worried I wasn't going to be able to do, is I'm not fixating as much. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because things are really moving in a direction where we can see, like, this is going to come to an end. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, I think, I think, what was the, I saw a poll recently that, like, 55% of... Americans support impeachment. Yeah. Um, okay. That's amazing because that means, you know, take out 35%, which is his base or 33% or whatever that number is. Right. And then there's, there's a little Delta in there. We just have to, we have to change those hearts and minds and that's coming down the pike. This is, this is irrefutable. This is irrefutable. uh, You know, Kyle Griffin posted this, uh, approval among American voters of the house impeachment is highest at 55%, uh, oh, 43% disapprove, and this is uh, Quinnipiac. So, yeah, 48% say Trump should be impeached and removed. 46% say, 46% say he should not. 40% is about what his base is at. He did is it 40? Is, it's it that, 40? is it that high? Yeah, it's about 40. It, it might dip from time to time, depending on whatever. It, it will dip. dip if the economy starts to fall. But um, at this point, I think we, he's got to lock in on 40%. I need to do a refi before that happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. You know what I'm saying? It's like this man. Uh, wow. You know, I have um, another, oh, go oh. ahead. You go ahead. Well, no. So I got mad at Bill Maher a few weeks ago. I know you completely like he's dead to you. I and I know you don't watch him. his show anymore. Uh, I used to really look forward to it. But Me he uh, a couple months ago, he did um, a new rules portion. You know, when he does that sort of 
would that be called an epilogue? Is that the end? Yeah, I think so. You know when you know how he closes out the show, he starts with new rules and everybody's cracking up and yeah. it's funny and da 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 da. And then he gets like serious and he looks into the camera and he does this monologue at the end. Um, he talked about a fat people in America. Oh, I saw that. And I was like, I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. I'm done with you. It was, it was racism. You know what I mean? Only it was bigotry. just that it was that same. It was that it's bigotry, right? Yeah. It was, but it was like, it was so ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was as ugly as racism is to yeah. me. And, um, I was like, I'm not, I can't support this anymore. And then damn it. Jill wine banks posts, uh, <laughs> his end statement, uh, from last week where he talks about, uh, how Trump tried to sue him because he called him an, an orangutan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Was he the descendant of like, right. I, I don't remember what the wording was. And he, you know, it was a picture of Trump right. next to an orangutan with like the same hair and everything. And, um, and, and then he said, look, and he had a check for a million dollars in yeah. his hand and he goes, I, I hate you and I will pay you to leave office. Yeah. And he goes, and I bet I can rally a thousand people from here to the beach, mm-hmm. including Malibu, so all the movie stars, to also write you a check for a million dollars. Do the math, buddy. Just leave. Because mm-hmm. you don't have any money as much as you want to pretend like you yeah. do. We all know you're a broke-ass biatch. Yeah. And here's here's your... Is that a, is that a billion dollars? I don't remember. Uh, um, I don't know. A million it's times a, a thousand? What? It's a, it's a lot of money. Yeah. I think it's a billion. It's a thousand um, million dollars. <laughs> there you go. And, and, uh, and then he put a list of all the people in Hollywood alone who hate him. And it was like <laughs> rolling credits. And they were rolling so fast that you couldn't read the names. Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. You with know one, what? with uh, one crossed out and it was Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> And but once like, in a while, you know, Bill, Bill Maher hits it. I mean, that's why I always liked him, because he's fucking right. funny, and he's smart. He is. It's just he's that every smart. once in a while, you know, the thing the thing that lost me on him was, was his warning about not letting Me Too go too far. And, you know, I mean, I think that was based on Al Franken, and I get it. I understand. But I want to say this about Al Franken. Um, I'm so torn, but the guy was um, accused by... I think it was a total of nine women. And I think at least two of them said that he acted inappropriately when he was a senator. And so it's, it's, it's one thing when you have one woman making an accusation. It's different when you have a number of them. And I don't think he, he's not a rapist or anything like that. And, you know, I talked to this woman... Um, Amanda Sowards on the show. She, she filled mm-hmm. in as a co-host once. And she works in some, and I can't remember what it is, it's some kind of industry, you know, Hollywood industry thing, and and she works in the legal department. And she was pulled aside by one of the women working there to say, here are the men you want to avoid being alone with. And he was on that list. And it, you know, it wasn't about like, he's going to rape you. It's just that he might push, he might cross boundaries. He might go a little too far because, you know, he was on Saturday Night Live. He, he's a comedian. He's got a raunchy sense of humor and he might just take it too far. And so, you know, you want, you maybe want to avoid these people um, just to be on the safe side. So I understand that a lot of people feel upset about him. I feel upset about it. I think there, I think it would have been good if, you know, he invited an investigation and I think there should have been an investigation. 
Um, but that said, I'm not ready to just believe automatically that he's completely innocent because I don't know. There was never an investigation. And mm -hmm. he said, you know, I think he did absolutely the right thing. A, he apologized. B, he mm -hmm. said, okay, uh, let's have an investigation. And then he was asked to leave. So... Mm -hmm. Bill Maher takes that as everybody's rushing to judgment, but you know there were there were there was more than one person. So I, I understand if if this were a Republican, liberals would be all over that Republican, whether it was for an investigation or to step down. We've done it with other ones, so we would do it with him. And I don't I don't like to play, you know, differently with the different sides. I think anybody who is accused. Um, especially it's it's difficult with political figures because there are politically motivated smears and you don't know and that's why we need to have investigations but anyway so he lost me when he was kept warning all of us don't go too far it's like you know what you fucking smug patriarchal sexist do not tell me or any other woman how far we can go with this that's really what lost me. You know, he, he, there's a number of things he said over the years that I've disagreed with, but I continued to watch him. This was the last straw for me. And like you said, the fat yeah, shaming. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And yeah, the, it's the, hideous. The fat shaming was awful. Oh, he was just, he was such a jerk about it. It's just, it's cruel. Yeah, it's cruel and unnecessary. It's unnecessary. And, you know, I mean, I don't remember the guy's name. He's he's British and he has he has a late oh, night talk James show. Oh, James Corden. Yes, and, thank and you. And he was like, trust me, this isn't some, this isn't just a, a switch we flick. Right. And decide we're not going to be fat anymore. Yeah. We're not going to just, you know, for it, it, it's it's bigotry and, and it's as bad as bald face racism. Totally. That's my opinion. I, I totally um, agree with you. Totally. Fuck Bill Maher. <laughs> okay, now I have another question for you. Yeah. What do you make of Romney? <laughs> uh, I think he's full of shit. Hmm. I think he's got. I think he's got no spine. I think this is as bold as he's gonna get. I, I'd love it if he surprised me. Yeah. Pierre Delicato. <laughs> Grow a spine. Say what you want to say out in the open. Our democracy is at stake. Yeah. People are dying on our watch. Yeah. Kurdish babies mm -hmm. are dead. Mm -hmm. Innocent Kurds. I mean, you know, I go to the baby extreme because I've seen it. I've seen yeah. video of Kurdish women holding oh their God, dead toddlers in that their arms. Awful. I'm sorry. I don't need to see that, but we need to see yeah, that. We need to see all of it. We need to see that. We need to remember. We need just because he's replacing one horrific crime against humanity with another. Let's not forget for one second that there are children who have been lost in the in the system in the United States whose parents were deported who are now those children are being adopted out to people in America. What? Yeah. That's They're kidnapping. starving in cages. That's yeah. kidnapping. The the uh, human beings that we have imprisoned at our border are starving to death in squalor in cages unable to sleep, unable to clean themselves, unable to reach out to their family. I mean, you go to prison in the United States, you get a freaking phone call. Yeah. You get a you, you get, get food. Uh, three squares and a bed to exactly. sleep in. Clean clothing, a toothbrush. Yeah. You know, visitation. Mhm. Mm 
I mean, that, you know, it's uh, humane. I mean, I think I think our prison system is inhumane in the bigger picture. But compared to what's happening at the compared border, to what's yeah. happening to, to the to the Latinos at our border. Yeah. Now, here's and so just I, I know I, I digressed, but that's where Romney leads me yeah. because Romney isn't doing enough to combat that. And any elected who hasn't stood up, this is nonpartisan. This is human decency. Mm-hmm. And if you're, I, I, it, it incenses me, Kimberly. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, to that point, um, all of the Democratic candidates, uh, except for maybe Tulsi Gobbard, but I don't, I don't pay attention to her. Do you like the way I just pronounced her name? <laughs> Gobbard. <laughs> I, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Tulsi Gobbard. Um, they are all speaking out uh, uh, ferociously yeah. against what's happening to the, the Kurdish people and to the people at, at our border and, you know, the migrants who have been imprisoned yeah. and are being treated so horribly. But um, where are the Republicans? Right. That's not a partisan issue. No. We treat human beings with dignity and respect because we're human beings and that's what decent people do. Yeah. Like, how is how are there not... Why is every Republican in the Senate and in Congress not speaking out against that? It's just Why? insane. It's just, I mean. Because they're, they're fucking racist. Well, they're racist. I think they're also. And they want to get reelected. That's, that's it. it. It's, about, it's all about reelection. Yeah, they're afraid but of But I'm Trump sorry. Face. Yeah, but, but there's got to be a, you know, you got to have a little. If that's okay with you, that, that people of color are being exterminated and caged, then I'm sorry. You are a racist. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm unapologetically saying, <laughs> yeah. then you are a racist. Yeah. Okay. I, I, and yeah, what, I agree. Oh. No, go ahead. Well, uh, I'm sorry. I'm on a, I'm on a soapbox right now. <laughs> That's okay. That's what you we're know, here it for. Crush, I know. And, and I, by the way, I miss you. Hi. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to say that at the beginning. Cause you called me juicy and bubbly. <laughs> and then we went straight into, you know, turmoil talk. I know. But anyway, um, this, this, this relationship here is something that I, like, I just love. So yes, I just wanted to say too. that to you and how much I appreciate you and, and, and right all the, and you. all that you do and all that you do. Seriously, you have a huge platform and you use it really well. And it, it matters because that's how, you know, I joke because now I'm a politician. That's how you change hearts and minds. That's how you change hearts yeah. and minds. No, seriously, it's great. So love you, love you, love you. Well, we're going to go but, over a little bit before we, before we close the show, we're going to talk about your uh, run for city council. But anyway. Oh, hell yes, please. Um, <laughs> so one of my faves, one of my favorite Democrats running for president is Julian Castro. And we've yes. talked about him before. And I, I just, I love where he's coming from. And I love how he really does, like, he's all about, you know, his, his I think his tagline is Julian for the future, mm-hmm. but Julian for the people, like Kamala, and like all of them, really. Mm-hmm. But what he's doing, calling out Trump from the beginning, He's not been afraid and he Mm -hmm. will say, you know, these are atrocities. These, we are not, he, this, this man does not give one hoot about the most vulnerable among us. And that's what Julian's all about. And so he calls him out for, you know, he, he, he tweeted yesterday, um, just, just listing 
this is not new. This man is not a new racist. This is the guy who took a full page ad out in the, I don't know if it was the times or the post or the daily news in New York. I don't think it was the times. He's too cheap for that. But, um, uh, let's, let's convict the central park five. Yeah. Let's, let's give them the death penalty. Right. Um, Barack Obama is, uh, wasn't born here. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like one of the leaders of the birther movement. Yeah. Right. He's he's doing what he's what he's he, he's continuing to imprison brown people who are seeking asylum in the United States and then having their kids adopted out to people who live here <laughs> and deporting their parents. He's killing the Kurds. Yeah. Because he's yeah. afraid of Putin and because he's afraid of Erdogan and because Erdogan played him. Mm-hmm. So we have an we have an imbecile racist narcissist and and i believe castro's done a really good job calling him out on the daily and so one thing that i would like to ask people to do is you know julian castro is probably not going to get the presidential nomination Mm -hmm. but julian castro's voice is is critical yeah right now as we move forward and as we move towards the general election as we move toward impeachment because julian castro as a latino in America has a lot to say from, you know, his own experience. Yeah. And he's also doing an amazing job lifting up Latinos in America and making our voices, uh, you know, we want to hear from everybody in this country. But I, for, for the disenfranchised among the Latino population, I think he's breathing new life into that movement. And I just, I gave to him yesterday, I gave to him two days ago. I mean, it's sometimes it's 15 bucks and sometimes it's 23. And I'm yeah. like, you know what, I'm going to reheat the leftovers and I'm going to give to him again because he needs to raise $800,000 before the end of, I think, October 31st is his deadline. Hmm. Um, so anyway, I just, I believe in him. I believe in Beto O'Rourke. I believe in Kamala Harris. I believe in, um, Pete Buttigieg to a degree. He's kind of pissing me off a little bit lately. I, I, yeah. And he's, he's making some mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. And Julian called him out too. Good. Ooh. Um, well, go ahead. But anyway, yeah, you go now. I just, I just wanted to bring it back to Romney because I'm, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm. I remember when, oh, yeah. he, when he <laughs> when he first became the senator. I I wondered, is he going to primary Trump? And now I don't know that he's going to primary him, but I, I I think he's up to something. I think he has some kind of uh, I don't know. He's he's got he's got a plan, or he's mm-hmm. he, he wants something. He wants to do something, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we have to do is we have to look at how he votes, especially when it comes down to impeachment and all that. Uh, I mean, he's a senator, but I mean, there's going to be there's going to be things along the way that are going to be voted on having to do with impeachment and what's going to be allowed, what's not going to be allowed, what Mitch McConnell's going to. So we have to watch his votes and we have to see how. But but I'm kind of interested in him because there's two things I want to say about him. I'm interested in him because even though he's late to the game and even though everything you said is absolutely 100 percent correct, um, I I also want to give. Any person who's going to, any Republican who's going to stand up against Trump, I want to give them their due. I want to make sure that Democrats, though, this is the second point, that because let's say Mitt Romney does something that helps Trump um, either resign or lose or whatever it is, he wouldn't be the sole reason. Democrats and Nancy Pelosi and all this other, there's so many other things that go into how Trump will be defeated and how he'll wind up leaving office, whether it's being voted out or resignation. But I think that Romney could play a part. And 
if he is successful in that and if, if we all see it and it's tangible, then the fear is that Democrats are going to give him more credit than he deserves because mm-hmm. we all have to remember that he doesn't believe people are entitled to health care. He said it right. on to, you know, to a closed door group of millionaires, billionaires, mm-hmm. you know, they are in, they think they're entitled to health care and <laughs> they will be voting for Obama. And he didn't give a shit about the 47 percent and uh, or whatever, whatever it was he said about the 47. He also said that when asked about putting women in his cabinet, that he had binders full of women. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's so fucking clueless. And the thing is, is, you know, I want to say that I've known a few Mormons in my time. And I honestly believe uh, I've never met a mean spirited Mormon ever. Not to say that they don't exist, but I've just I've never met them. Um, I do believe that they come from a place of feeling like they, I do think they think they're superior. And I think that they believe that, you know, all that hooey about God choosing them and shit. I, you know, they believe that. But like, unlike somebody like Ben Carson or the rest of the uh, Republicans who claim Jesus told them to run or whatever, you know, I think Ben Carson once said he felt the, the fingers of Jesus tickling him when he was asked about running. It's like, oh, fuck you. But I think Could Mitt, he be any creepier? I know, he is Jesus. so creepy. But Mitt Romney, I think, truly does believe that he's been chosen because that, that falls in line with their religion, that there would be, you know, one person that would lead them to the power and all that. So I think he, he genuinely believes it. And I don't think he believes it in a way that's meant to hurt people. And I also think he's the kind of racist that's more of the, the casual kind. And he's not the kind that's going to point to a black person and scream the N-word. He's the kind that can just look away because it doesn't affect him. And, you know, he, he, he just lives in this bubble. He's been from a wealthy family. He's had privilege his whole life. He didn't even know what a fucking donut was. You know, back in 2012, he, he didn't even know what it was. What? So it, yeah, didn't do, don't you remember that story? I mean, a donut. He didn't. He, he didn't, didn't know, know what, what a donut, donut was. was. How do you con- not know what a donut is? I mean, I could name like a, a few different kinds of donuts. Me too. But yeah, like donut cr- pillow, crawler <laughs> donut. <laughs> but it's like you know the guy. I think. I think he's an interesting character. I mean, I just don't want Democrats or even some independents out there to put him on any kind of pedestal because in the long run right. he would be damaging for this country if he were to become president but if he is you know just like with joe walsh i interviewed joe walsh who i do not endorse and joe walsh said some pretty fucking shitty things about black people about the sandy hook dude or not sandy yeah it was was it parkland or sandy hook i don't know he basically was saying that they were politicizing gun shootings and um so he said a lot of crappy things that i don't like but you know, I look at Joe Walsh now and he's apologizing and I honestly think that he's sincere with those apologies. He's never going to be a progressive. He's never going to be a Democrat. He's always going to be a conservative libertarian, which Obama said are are Republicans are like Republicans that you block on Twitter, conservative libertarians. <laughs> I love that. But, you know, I mean, he and I had this interesting conversation. It was very cordial. He was very nice to me. And I mean, that, just because he was nice to me doesn't mean I think, you know, he should be the president. I just, as somebody who um, once actually said I was delusional on Twitter because I said Hillary was the president, um, you know, he apologized for that. And so I look at somebody like him. I look at other people who are 
who are never Trumpers, who are not trying to tell Democrats how to behave, but who are the never Trumpers who are like, fuck it, we're just not going to vote. Like, I look at Steve Schmidt. I think Steve Schmidt is a never Trumper who isn't screaming at, at Democrats and saying that we're stupid and inept. You know, like Rick Wilson does, who just gets on my last fucking nerve. But, um, you know, I mean, and, and, and I just have to say, because I brought him up, so in case, I know there are people who absolutely love Rick Wilson. And yes, he does have the best words. And yes, he can be really funny. But he yells at the Democrats and he, he wants them to do things that I think would cause more problems. And, and, and he wants them to behave, like I said, like the Republicans who got us Trump in the first place. Democrats can't do that. So I think he would be a better ally if instead of yelling at Democrats, he would spend more time giving Democrats advice on how they can, uh, not, not by like just arresting any old person that doesn't do, because he wanted, before, like when Sondland came to testify in front of Congress a couple weeks ago, it was, or said that he would come to testify, it was voluntary. And, and then the White House said that he couldn't. And then Rick Wilson went fucking crazy and started attacking the Democrats and saying that he should, Sondland should be arrested. But he hadn't even been subpoenaed. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is if you're going to arrest him, if the Democrats are going to arrest him, then what's Trump going to start doing? He's going to start arresting everybody. We have to play this so carefully. We have to be the adults in the room. Thank God Nancy Pelosi's right. in damn charge. Yeah. So it's like, and, 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 and just by the way, for anybody who is telling me or thinking Kimberly's an idiot for not liking Rick Wilson, uh, back in, I think it was 2011, he was working for some Republican who was running somewhere. And the opponent was another, I think, another Republican who had fought in Vietnam, lost both his legs and his arm. So Rick Wilson worked with this one Republican to do an attack video on this veteran who lost his, his legs and arm. And he also did videos about Obama and it was a Jeremiah Wright, whatever that guy's name was. So, you know, d don't put him on this high fucking pedestal. You know, he's, he's great when he's, when he's going after Trump. He's great when he's going after Republicans. But please do not allow him to turn you against Democrats if you're a Democrat. Because Democrats are being fucking badass right now. They are being the adults in the room, and they're handling this. So, you know, back to Romney, I think that he could be an advantage to getting Trump out. And he's an interesting character. I, I agree with what you said. Like, there's a cowardly, you know, he waited a while, but at least he's got more balls than the rest of them. He's not up for election until 2024. So he's not in at any risk of losing his seat right now. And so at least, at least he's coming forward and challenging Trump because he could have some influence on other Republicans. And, and I'm hoping that, that he, he does that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm hoping I that too. I'm hoping, but I don't. I'm not holding my breath. No, I don't. He's think you can hold your breath with any of them. But I like. I give him more mm -hmm. credence. I give. I, I will give him more than I give Lindsey Graham. Like I think when Mitt Romney said, "If there is proof that Trump broke the law, I'm absolutely op open to convicting him." I believe him. When when Lindsey Graham said that, I don't believe him. I think what Lindsey Graham because he pretty much said the same thing. I think Lindsey Graham will find some kind of um, loophole that, that he'll consider a loophole, and then he'll just stick to that. And I think, I don't trust Lindsey Graham, but I do think that, you know, because Romney said that he would do it, I think he'll do it. But we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. 
We have to wait and Let's see. Hope. Oh, okay. So now I'm going to switch gears because I wanted to ask you, did you happen to see that article that came out in the Huffington Post the other day? And it was titled, Women at Ernst & Young Instructed on How to Dress and Act Nicely Around Men. No, but tell me how to act <laughs> nicely around men, please. Oh, my God. Okay, so Ernst & Young is one of the largest accounting firms in the world. And they held a training sen- seminar at the height of the Me Too movement, and it was called Fix the Women. So here's just, here's just some of the things. When women speak, they shouldn't be shrill. Clothing must flatter, but short skirts are a no-no. Um, after all, sexual... Hike it up! <laughs> and then, that, that says to me, hike it up! Yeah, exactly. And then in quotes, sexuality scrambles the mind. Women should look healthy and fit with a good haircut and manicured nails. Now, here's the part. You're, <laughs> you're going to love this one. Women's brains absorb information like pancakes, soak up syrup so it's hard for them to focus. Men's brains are more like waffles. They're better able to focus because the information collects in each little waffle square. This is what these people were told at a fucking seminar. And then there was also, don't be aggressive like men. What year? This was last, I think it was last year. This year or last year. It was the height of me too. Maybe last year. Oh, it wasn't 1957? No. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was modern day. So here's some My more. My pancake brain doesn't. I know absorb. your pancake brain. Don't be aggressive like men, Stephanie. Before the workshop, women were given a masculine-feminine score sheet, which had them uh, rate their adherence to stereotypical masculine and feminine traits. So the masculine traits include acting like a leader, being aggressive, ambitious, analytical, and has leadership abilities with a strong personality and willing to take a stand. The feminine traits include affectionate, cheerful, childlike, compassionate, gullible, loves children, and yielding. Oh my God. (laughs) Do you want to know? Oh my God. Yielding. Can I tell you something? When I was uh 26 or 27 tops 26 probably i worked at this radio station in san jose it was a it was an aor album oriented rock radio station and it was called k-o-m-e and our slogan was don't touch that dial there's come on it ew <laughs> but everybody oh my loved god it. everybody loved it oh my k-o-m-e god. I had a license wow. plate frame that said I K O M E while I drive. Wow. No joke. Yeah, I mean it was, you know, that was all through right. the 70s and 80s, right? And I worked there in the early very early 90s. It was my dream job. Yeah. It's where I wanted to be a DJ like when uh when the the midday or afternoon drive jock Gino Michellini came and oh, spoke to oh. us at career day. I remember. Remember Gino Michellini because yes. he was at KLOS after, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. So he was a god, a rock god in mm-hmm. our, you know, growing up and and I wanted to work there. So anyway, I did get to work there, but I was in sales. And I loved it. And then uh one day, um the morning show guy, Jeff Blazy, came to me and he said, I want you to I want to try you out and we want a a, a woman sidekick, but a girl they called me, of course. And so I <laughs> I tried out and they hired me. And um, it was the Blazy and Bob show. And uh, I'm in there and I'm in the booth with Blazy. Blazy was also a comedian and kind of a, a production wizard. And he was super funny at bits. And then in the other room, the control room where the records were being played, and I do mean records, um, 
Bob was in there. And so Jeff and I were having the time of our life, ha, 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 and Bob would be like, yes, right, like Ed McMahon. And it was great. I mean, it was a really beautiful combination, those two. And then I added my spunk and fire and bubbly juiciness to the, to the mix, right? Well, after the first maybe week or two, the program director called me into his office and he goes, um, Steph, uh, how's it going? Are you enjoying? Oh my God, I'm having the time of my life. This is a dream come true, like literally. And he goes, okay, great. Yeah, you're doing great. You're reading the traffic just fine. Here are a couple little hints. You gotta, you know, take this lead here. But um, I do need you to, uh, when Jeff says something, um, I need you to wait to respond. I need you to yield to Bob. <gasps> oh. I need you to yield to Bob. Wow. And I said, if I yield to Bob, and here I am 26, like I just, who, I guess I had the balls. My dad always said, don't, you know, don't let people push you around. And if you're doing the work, and sometimes I probably speak my mind a little too much, and I was young, and I, I think I had a little too much chutzpah, right? But I said, if I yield to Bob, then all the comedic timing is lost. If I yield to Bob after Jeff says something hilarious and I've got something to say right on the, you know, the next beat, and Bob, I have to wait for Bob to go, yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> then we've then it's then it's lost. Yeah. But I, I yeah yeah. Anyway, Bob got fired, and then wow. it was me and Jeff. Yeah. And then they brought Bob back, and then I had to kind of yield again. <sighs> anyway. Well, you know, this is going to bring me to we're, when we go over in just a little bit to the end another thing segment. I have prepared a list that I'm going to ask you questions. And actually, I think what I'm going to do is I'm I'm going to make an article out of this, um, a, a poll. And, and and the reason I'm going to do this is because, you know, women always get shit when when we're like feminists or we're for equality. We're accused of hating men, even by men who are liberal and they just kind of don't understand I mean, the other day yeah. I was talking to a man who's a little bit older, and I mentioned that feminists had an issue with Pete Buttigieg initially. And this man said, why? Because he's a man. And it was like, no, right. it's because no, he's a little he's, he's centrist, not because he's a man. But anyway, I mean, some feminists love, you know, some feminists fucking love Beta O'Rourke. Some feminists like you and me love Joaquin. We love Obama. It's like, why do you just jump to it's because it's a man? And this is a liberal man who votes Democrat, but whatever. So uh, there are experiences that women have on a daily basis that men just aren't aware of. They just don't know. And and they are like micro, it's like they're called microaggressions or there are these like little like micro harassment at work. And when I say micro, there's like obvious, you, somebody, if somebody pats you on the ass or touches you like that, then you turn around to them and you say, don't touch me there. And they can still mm -hmm. belittle you and they can still say, oh, calm down. But you could be in a situation where there's inappropriate touching, but it's not so obvious. Or they might say something that's inappropriate, but it's something that if you were to bring it to them, they feel very comfortable making, like, relax. God, man, some fucking asshole said that to me yesterday. Relax. Yeah, and, I love that. Um, so, you know, I mean... It's just these tiny little things all the way up to the big things. So I want to I wanna compile and I have a list for you that we can discuss. But it's just going to be a list and it's going to be a poll so that 
men can understand a little bit more about the things we have to deal with at work. In this article, um, while I've never worked in any kind of an environment that had a seminar, I, I, I think I would fucking... If I needed the job, I'd have to stay. But if I could, if I, could I would have walked out. I would have just said, bye, fuck you, and goodbye. But, <laughs> I mean, women do have to deal with this. It's not just at work. It's at home. It's at the grocery store. It's, you know, I mean, as a woman, every single time I have to find a new mechanic, I always wonder, are they going to lie to me? Are they going to assume that because I'm a woman, I'm stupid and I don't know a lot about cars, which, okay, I'm not stupid, but I don't know a lot about cars. And if somebody tells me you need a brand new engine, I'm, I don't, I mean, I can't just go in there and say, oh no, you're wrong because look, I, I don't know anything about engines. I just don't know. So if somebody wants to lie to me, they can, but I, you know, and of course mechanics will and can lie to men. But there's this thing about being dismissed when you're a woman, n not given credit for understanding things. And so um, it's just every day. You know, we, f we face these things every single day. And so I would like to be able to kind of maybe hopefully bring it to the attention of men who don't think. It's not that they're, they're stupid or they're willfully ignorant or anything. It's just that it's not something that they even know about. They don't get it because they've never experienced it. And women often stay quiet about this shit. We, we don't talk yeah. about it because we know that what's going to happen is we're going to be accused of overreacting. We're going to be accused of, why are you so angry all the time? You should just take a walk. Yield. <laughs> yield, yield, Bob. Go, go work out and you'll feel so much better, sweetie. Watch a funny movie. Don't worry your yeah. pretty little head about these things. Don't worry your pretty little head. You know, come on. So we're going to be talking about that in and another thing. But before we clean, before we close the show, uh, just big fat reminder: Steph is running for city. I'm going to let you talk, but you're running for city council in Oakland, California, and you've been endorsed by Buffy Wicks. So congratulations! That's oh my awesome. god. Is so that awesome. amazing? That's just amazing. And what I'm going to do is in the, um, there's going to be all kinds of links for you in the Patreon description today. So you're going to be getting links. I talked about my mother's uh, uh, new book on Patreon and you're going to get links for that. And then you're also going to get links for Steph and, and what she's doing. And a bunch of you have donated. That's awesome. And so yes. just give a quick, quick little blurb about what you're doing for anybody who doesn't know. Right. So I've lived in Oakland's District 1 for almost 15 years. I've raised my children here. And the Oakland that I came to 15 years ago is uh, very different from the Oakland today. We have a housing crisis. We have a homelessness crisis. Mm -hmm. I think the two go hand in hand. Um, we have uh, transportation and public safety issues and that our roads are falling apart in every district of the city. Um, we have uh, a seven-year incumbent who I'm running against who has very poor constituent services and the people in my district feel as though their voices are not being heard and that they are not being represented at City Hall. And that's not good enough for me. Mm -hmm. It's not good enough for the constituents here in this district and it's not good enough for the city as a whole. Um, I also believe that we need to hang on to our beloved baseball team, the Oakland A's, and our our city is, is at odds with our county right now. In fact, they, they sued them um, 
the, the day of the wild card game, when the A's were going to the wild card game over a land dispute at the Coliseum, there are so many issues where I, I, I look at our I look at our council and we have some amazing counselors, and then we have some that I feel are. Um, not really uh, representing the people of their districts the way they should be. And I, I think that's happening here in District 1. And I want to be the voice of the people. And I'm a, and I'm a woman and I'm a multitasker and I've got, you know, 30 years of business experience. Um, and I'm dug in and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to um, get super duper busy on yes. the part of the people of District 1. Awesome. And so like Steph I said, for Oakland.com. Yes, Steph for Oakland.com. And then, of course, you can follow Steph on Twitter at what is your handle? Oh, well, there's at Lady Brain Show, but then there's at Steph for Oakland. And I really want to build that up because I've got this amazing new uh, staffer who oh, is wow. a student at Cal. Yeah, she's a student at Cal. She actually sought me out. There are a lot of people who want to see change. Yeah. Not C-S-E-A change, right. but who want to S-E-E it. Yeah. Right? And they want to see change, of course. But people uh, are, are reaching out to me all over. They want awesome. to see women more women elected at all levels of yes. government yes. and change happens at the local level. That's where it starts. Yes, right. Absolutely. And I am, I have energy. I'm bubbly. I'm juicy. I'm vivacious Vote for stuff because she's juicy. Well, and I'm, I'm so committed, you know, I know you are. Um, my husband, it's funny. Uh, we had a meeting yesterday with um, a man and a woman, a couple, and they're very, very active. They're politically active. They're activists. They're doing amazing things in the East Bay community to try to help with the homelessness crisis. And at the end of it, I said, how, how did it go, honey? And he goes, it was great. And you're so committed. And like, he's just such a cheerleader, yeah. right? He goes, but when you're talking to guys, school of Ernst, mm -hmm. He goes, you might want to just like really get to the point right away. <laughs> and I go, I love you so much. You are right because you got it. You got to hit it. Yeah. You know, you got to hit it. We and have a homelessness crisis. Right. We have a housing crisis. We have a public safety and transportation crisis on our hands. And I want to collaborate with the, the seven other counselors at City Hall to fix those things stat. All right. Well, okay. So what we're going to do, like I said, look in the Patreon link. Also, don't remember. I mean, don't. I said don't remember. Huh? Don't forget. Uh, I, I, I'm new to this uh, iTunes thing. I mean, I've been on iTunes the whole time, but I haven't been plugging it. So please, please, please um, sign up on. You don't have to sign up, but you just become a subscriber to the Start Me Up podcast on iTunes and give us a review please a good one so there's that and then you got Stephanie you're going to get all Stephanie's links you're going to get all my links you can follow me on Twitter at author Kimberly and we're going to go into another thing now also we love your comments um, love keep your comments coming and quick shout out so sweet I did a, uh, a you know body hatred um podcast the other day so I just wanted to like talk about that and explain it to people and and our wonderful and sweet Ziggy Blue was concerned that I was suicidal because at the end I just sounded so defeated but I'm not suicidal I just have my moments of of really having a hard time with my with my body and so I just I know I'm not alone and I wanted to do a podcast where I just kind of did a stream of consciousness talking about that and I appreciate I got some really great 
um, comments from people, but I know, I, and, and women, if you look at all the comments from women, they're like, yeah, I know, been there, sounds like me. But of course, men who don't experience that same kind of, you know, body image stuff, they are concerned, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. But there's no need for concern. It's more, my, my concern is let's fucking smash the patriarchy because that's what I blame it on. But anyway, okay, so everybody, um, we're gonna go into end another thing and we're gonna talk about workplace harassment. So this is gonna be a fun and interesting conversation. It was so much fun talking to you, Steph, and of course you're coming back. So uh, we, will, we will see you next time.